Welcome to The Way Station, an interview podcast featuring trailblazers who set their own career paths. My name is Noah Reed, and today my guest is Amber Hooper. Amber is an extremely talented industrial designer with a particular focus on medical equipment and processes. Her story is inspirational and features fun twists and insights into the breadth of knowledge and experience required to accomplish hard things. I was in Salt Lake City visiting my parents when I did the first couple of interviews for The Way Station and ended up recording them outside. Please forgive the audio quality, but with two small children running around, the backyard was surprisingly the quietest place. Let's get going. Hi, Amber. Hey, Noah. So, uh, this is round two, but... All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, h- how do we know each other, Amber? You married my best friend. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and and what is what are you up to these days? I am applying for a master's and, uh, in design and working for a few companies designing medical equipment and processes. Very cool. So, um, and how long have you been doing that? Um, I've been doing the medical equipment for about two and a half years mm-hmm. and then um, going to school, back in school for about three years. Okay. Okay. And so you've been designing it while you're in school? Mm-hmm. Is when you, so yeah. you've been working for one of the professors there, right? Yeah. That's great. So I, I guess uh, we're going to go back a ways, okay. I suppose. <laughs> um, so what, what, when you think back on your life, what are, some, what are kind of the more f- formative experiences f- for your creativity? My creativity? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, deciding to do the industrial design major okay. at BYU. That was a big one. Um, and then once I actually got into the uh, into a work environment, mm-hmm. being with people that were um, from lots of different backgrounds and lots of different ideas, and we'd sit and brainstorm together okay. and those types of things. But being with lots of different types of people has been very helpful when we're all, you know, together trying to figure out the same problem so like other designers or people of or like of different disciplines different disciplines okay that's worked the best for me Mm -hmm. like having working with engineers and marketing people and you know that kind of thing okay has been awesome like what benefit do you think you get by working with people who are not other designers um just getting a different perspective i mean designers were all different um but uh really to be able to look at a problem from multiple different um, viewpoints mm-hmm. not because designers were all kind of like right brained you think you know yeah. similarly and um, having those different ideas really push pushes the the final idea a lot further than you could have done it just yeah. on your own yeah I've noticed the same thing I actually I think I enjoy working with developers more than I enjoy actually working with other designers some of the time. <laughs> yep. So, um, what, did you come from a creative family? Well, I know you came from a creative family, yes. but why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family? All right. So, my dad, um, he's a potter and a painter. Okay. And right now he's just traveling the Midwest and painting all the time. In the Midwest? So. What's he painting in the Midwest? Uh, just, uh, he spent a lot of time up in... Um, Teton Valley, okay, and up in Idaho, painting there and doing commissioned work, okay, up there for the past two years. So, but he does a lot of 
just creative things. We have a shop at our house. My mom's a potter. Okay. All my sisters have done creative things. My mm-hmm. brother's an interior designer. So. Okay, so it runs in the family. Yes, definitely. Runs was there ever the a time when you were growing up that you you thought you might want to do something different because it was so much around you so much? Growing up, I always wanted to be a nurse or a doctor. Okay. Yep. And then when my, when my dad would say, you know what, I think you'd be a really good industrial designer. They designed doorknobs and toothbrushes. And I was like, oh, uh, no. I have no desire to design doorknobs and toothbrushes. So, <laughs> so apparently they do more than that. Yes. Okay. Yes, much more. We did have a toothbrush assignment in, in school. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yes, we do much more. Yeah, you've seen Objectified, right? Where they, uh-huh. they talk about the, the toothbrushes that wash up on the shore or whatever, and it was a toothbrush mm-hmm. they had designed. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, um, so you ended up going to school for industrial design. Um, but before, before that, did you have other interests kind of outside of creative pursuits when you were growing up? Um... I was into music, like I played the viola, mm-hmm. and um, history, art history. Okay. was a big one, for sure. So, yeah. Do you find that those pursuits have kind of, like, helped inform your your design work that you've done over the years? Art history, for sure. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, I minored in art history. Okay. At BYU, so. All right. And so... So you went to BYU to study. You mentioned that's kind of one of your formative creative experiences, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. To tell me about the program there and, and what you liked about it or didn't like. Like, what, what were the... <laughs> <laughs> what was your experience like studying? Um, I... It was, it was really competitive mm-hmm. start off. And I'm, I'm a fairly competitive person. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm just not a mean competitive person. so um it was a lot of work to get in and uh i learned a lot i was in a uh i was actually in an engineering class with a fine i was declared fine art major or something Mm -hmm. or the other or declared engineering i can't remember and one of the design professors came in and said if you've got both sides you know if you've got the fine arts and the engineering you might want to try this out and so that's what i did that's how i actually ended up there in, in, in the industrial design program uh-huh. yeah yeah had you ever thought about industrial design before uh, my dad had, just yeah. from my dad saying that but i didn't know what it was called i didn't okay. you know didn't know that there was a program at byu i didn't know any of that so yeah yeah it's kind of amazing to, to think about industrial design and realize that you know, somebody's had their hands in pretty much anything that we touch in mm-hmm. our lives and yep. uh, it came from somewhere you know, mm-hmm. so came from you part of it. <laughs> <laughs> some things. <laughs> some things. Okay. And so what what do you think were some of the, let's say, and, and your schooling, sometimes I find that people, when they graduate, they kind of uh, look back on their schooling and think it wasn't worth it because mm-hmm. they learned so much more in their job. I mean, right. what, what what's your feeling about that? Um, I actually felt very prepared when I actually got a job. Okay. And um, and I was able to jump in and really just start working, mm-hmm. which was really cool. I mean, later on is when I started noticing the gaps in my knowledge and education. Okay. So, so you feel like school prepared you pretty mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, it was really good. That speaks highly of the of the program, yep. I think. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So. Well, and so, uh, what were some of the kind of the, like after school? What did you do? What did you go after that? After after graduating BYU from BYU, yeah, I went and worked at a bakery. 
At a bakery? Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me about that. How was that? <laughs> well, I didn't have money to buy gas to go to job interviews. So okay. I had to walk across the street to the bakery. And so, yeah. <laughs> Is this down, up there. down by your parents' uh-huh. house? Yeah, yeah, okay. Right across the street from my parents. So <laughs> worked there and had a bunch of odd jobs for about a year and a half, actually, until I finally found one. Okay. In industrial design. So. And what was your first job? It was a it was a competitive internship. There's three of us competing for the job. It was for back to basics. Mm-hmm. So it was housewares, kitchen appliances. Is back back to basics is a Target brand, right? Or uh, no, no, this is okay. this is separate. They were um, a local company. Okay. They did the uh, smoothie maker okay. and the toaster that had the, the egg McMuffin toaster. That you can cook your egg and, and toast okay. your toast at the same time. So they they were um, really innovative that way. They had a lot of um, people coming to them to ask them to okay uh, to like celebrity type things because they were like on the innovative side okay. of how they designed. So I actually got the job from that um, com- uh, competition or whatever, mm-hmm. and so and that's when I started really realizing working together with the engineers and the marketing and all being together yeah. really progressed and ha- we came up with really fun stuff really fun stuff so that sounds great so during let's say like your school and your early working career what was there anything big that you had to overcome to kind of realize what the career would be um Getting a job. Getting, yeah. <laughs> that was the biggest one. <laughs> Once I got there, it was just like, I knew that it wasn't where I'd want to end up, mm-hmm. but I knew that I needed to learn the process, the design okay. process, and get in there and just start figuring it out because there's no way to do it. But okay. Like, but then just learning it. All right. Like doing it yourself. So you were at Back to Basics for a while. You got the mm-hmm. job after your internship. Mm-hmm. And so what? how long did you stay there? I was actually... I actually turned down the job. Oh. And went on a mission instead. <laughs> okay. But it turned out really well because when I got back from my mission... How long was that? Uh, the year and a half. Okay. Um, so when I, I just called the people right back okay. up. Found out that they'd sold the company. <laughs> and we're now working at Candle Warmers. And so they had me come in and I started doing contract work right away. Okay. Because they liked me a lot so it was good well that's great <laughs> that's great you're a likable person <laughs> <laughs> so um the candle warmers explain what, what a candle warmer is so a candle warmer is uh um my boss came up with the idea of turning a coffee cup warmer mm-hmm. into a candle warmer because there were people's houses burning down in his neighborhood like right and left like all sorts of stuff because of candles because of candles <laughs> And so he thought, well, there's got to be a better way to have, to enjoy the scent of candles, enjoy the ambiance of candles without the flame. Okay. And so that's when he, he bought a whole container of, uh, mug warmers. Okay. Repackaged them and started the whole candle warmer business. So, so what you do is you take like scented candle, like wax cubes, right? Mm -hmm. And you use a lamp. That warms them and melts them. Mm-hmm. That know. that came later. That, that came later. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it was just you just stuck a candle on top of this thing and melted all of the wax in the okay. in the candle, and then later they developed the a lamp. Okay. So it would melt just the top portion of the of the candle, or did you have a dish which mm-hmm. is wax pieces in it? Okay. Yeah, that's the one we have in our house yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Um, and uh, and so, how how did you like working on candle warmers? It was it was interesting. It wasn't quite as um, as like creative as I would want because uh-huh. it was kind of just like redesigning the same type of thing. We we did come up with some really cool um, mm-hmm. different ways and engineering different ways to get to light the can to warm the candle from the top. Okay. Instead of just a lamp. Okay. So that that was fun and interesting. And and I loved working with the people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was the same with Back to Basics. Just this environment where you're bouncing ideas off each other and really helping mm-hmm. each other. So, how important do you think that is for people to um, like the the people they work with, the environment they're in? For me, it's crucial. Like, <laughs> I, I can't have it any other way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Well, that's good. Well, eventually you decided to leave the candle warmers mm-hmm. place. What what, what kind of led to that decision? Um. I again, I I knew it just wasn't like where I wanted to end up because I wanted some um, more creative, and I also wanted to get back into the medical side because I'd always been so interested in 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 the medical side and with growing up with that, and then being um, your wife's best friend <laughs> that adds to it, and yeah. now she's you know in residency yeah so well why, why don't you talk about that so, why what has it what have has attracted you to the medical field like what about designing medical equipment has been something you wanted to do um i've always i always want to help people mm-hmm. just in you know any way that i can so so it seems like you've always kind of had like a humanitarian because your because mm-hmm. your end goal as, as long as i've known you except mm-hmm. i met you when 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 you before you got the job with candle warmers or right. back to basics and bef- right and and you it seemed like you'd always wanted to do medical equipment right so i mean what is there's kind of so you, you've always wanted to help people and and where do you think that humanitarian uh that humanitarian urge came from for you? Um, a few different places. Uh-huh. Um, growing up, uh, it was always a focus in our house. Mm-hmm. We'd make cookies for sick people in our neighborhood and make them posters. And, uh-huh. and, um, and then, so I just grew up with that mentality of serving and, and using your talents to, to help mm-hmm. other people. And then when I, um, met Sierra and we were Sierra's my wife yes haven't established that yet <laughs> so and uh, she was same way you know very service oriented very very giving and so we started scheming together mm-hmm. like how can we use both of our talents and you know help people and you know stay connected throughout our entire life type thing uh-huh. and so we started planning on um, ways we could do that and um, we both really were interested in um, helping developing countries, let alone like our own like communities. Mm-hmm. And so we came up with a model of um, serving and and her in her capacity as as a doctor. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you know, yeah. she was still in her undergrad, and me designing the me- medical equipment or processes to help um, the whole system work better and help the people. Um, get what they need and not just a bunch of Americans dumping, you know, all of our high tech stuff at these people, but actually designing these processes from their standpoint and what they actually really need. 
and build it from there. So, like, let, let's say I'm a, I'm, 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 let's say I'm a skeptical person and mm-hmm. don't really buy into the idea that, or, or like maybe more of a realist, like when we're talking about, you know, our our equipment doesn't really do much when you put it in a hospital down in Peru, right, right. Or, or or something because you got to have people who are trained to come up with it. How can an industrial designer help that? Um, I would hope lots of ways in, <laughs> in that, um, especially with the design thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so not just going in to build another product, mm-hmm. but going in and talking to the people and really um, seeing what they really need and working with them to yeah. develop something that would work for them. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we get told over and over that they that they see all of our TV shows and see how it is here and they want it like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's also a part of it is not, you know, just making these hodgepodge things, but making realistic, real things that will, will help them and, and progress. So. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> you'll see, you see all sorts of cool. Remember what, um, I saw a Ted talk where somebody had come up with a water bottle that was like the filter inside of it, mm-hmm. you know, that they would use and that you could use in Africa to, to filter water, you know, to help combat diseases and stuff like that. And, nice. and, uh, but that was an industrial designer. It's, mm-hmm. it's exactly that kind of thinking, yeah. you know, and as long as it's cheap and affordable enough, mm-hmm. you know, it can be really helpful. Yeah. So, um, so you, so you're at the candle warmer's place and you realize it's not quite what you want to do. So, mm-hmm. so what do you do next? I, well, first I decided to go back to school okay. and do pre-med. Okay. Because I thought, why not be a doctor <laughs> and come at the design, persp- you know, perspective from that perspective, from a doctor. You're using this equipment every day, yeah. you know. And so I said, why not? So I started doing night school, and I got to the point where I'd taken all the night classes that I could, mm-hmm. and the rest of the classes were offered during the day. So I quit my job <laughs> and went back to school full time. And that first week when I was back at school, I walked into the bioengineering department mm-hmm. main office. Which which university is this? This is the University of Utah. Uh-huh. And I asked them if there's any professors or any programs that um, would value or need um, a designer's help or designer's perspective. Uh-huh. And they both looked, the two ladies in the office both looked at me and they're like, hmm. How about Dr. Robert Hitchcock? Okay. He's doing exactly that. Putting together multidisciplinary teams and really wanting, he really wants the design perspective to really make these things not only look good, but also work well for the people that use them. So, so I got a job with him and started working in his, um, in his lab, um, for a few different projects, working, um, with his graduate students and... So yeah, that's how that's a, my schooling your started. schooling re, 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 uh-huh. renewed or restarted right, or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> so I was doing the pre med, and then I also I didn't want to stop the design. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to. I didn't ever want to lose that um, um, skill or talent that I had. You know, mm-hmm. I always wanted to keep progressing and, and start getting into what I'd wanted to do for so long. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, for for. Uh, for a lot of people, I mean, myself included, like jumping from pre-med in order to be a better designer, as a, <laughs> as a, yeah. you know, like uh, it, it doesn't, um, 
It's kind of elite, but I think it makes... I mean, from what you've told me, you use your pre-med stuff all the time. All the time. Why don't you explain a little bit about how that works? Um, well, a lot of the projects that I've been on, I mean, I've worked on bioreactors. Um, What's a bioreactor? A bioreactor, they were developing a, a tabletop little incubator to grow stem cells. Okay. Um, for, for research purposes. Yeah. And so they just wanted it close to, you know, to on the table so you don't have to go to, like, a big machine or a different company that would be, you know, growing these. But you just had your stem cells right there. And so um, being in chemistry and biology and, you know, mm-hmm. I started I, – and physics, I was understanding all of these things that okay. I wouldn't have understood if I hadn't taken those classes. Yeah. Yeah, I found, I found, I found a similar thing. In my, because I work as a designer as well, mm-hmm. but a, like a graphic and web designer. But I decided to learn um, how to be a developer as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for some, for some of my colleagues, that seems like a lot to do. And truthfully, it is distracting, and it, it is, right. and it does split your attention. But at the same time, I feel like I understand what's actually needed when I design mm-hmm. these things. And right. I'm sure your pre-med education helps you in the same way. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to stick it out? Or are you going to be a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> I actually came to the very hard decision. It was very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized that I didn't, again, want to lose that design mm-hmm. side. And um, just as the pre-med was ramping up and, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, starting to study for MCAT, that kind of stuff, I was realizing that it was, it really would take everything that I had, you know, I had to be completely dedicated to that. And then it'd be eight years before I even Mm -hmm. came back to the design side. Yeah. And I was actually doing exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. I was working with, uh, in multidisciplinary teams in, in the hospital, talking directly to doctors, Mm -hmm. you know, and designing medical equipment okay and so i figured as long as i have that fix somehow yeah (laughs) (laughs) that i would be okay with not actually being a doctor but you know being in that same environment and working directly with those people yeah well i mean if you if your aims are kind of you know humanitarian i think you made the right choice just because there there are plenty of doctors but Uh there are probably not enough (laughs) designers making you know, better mm-hmm. equipment for people to use. Right. So, um, well, why don't, why don't you talk to us kind of about the type of projects that you do there? What, what, what does it involve? And okay. like, cause I know, I know there's a buzzword about design thinking. Maybe you could explain right. that a little bit. Okay. Um, so I'm part of a spark lab, mm-hmm. uh, spark health innovation lab that we've started at the U and we are working with, um, both the U Hospital and Huntsman. Okay. And come coming up with ideas and them coming to us and say, we have this problem, is there any way you can help fix it? And a lot of them are ending up being, um, as we analyze it, there it's, it's like fixing processes and fixing and tweaking a little bit the way people think. Yeah. And um, some of them have come up with um, a little bit more of a product-based thing like, um, posters that you can put up and help that are interactive with the patients and the doctors mm-hmm. to solve uh, these problems that we're with, and it's all based on d- 
design thinking. Like we go in and we observe and um, talk to the doctors, talk to the patients, mm-hmm. and analyze those things that we get to create these outcomes or you know models that that mm-hmm. they could try out and see if it you know helps them with their problem. So your deliverable might be a product, but mm-hmm. it might be just a procedure that they can mm-hmm. follow to be more efficient. Exactly. Right? exactly. So that's kind of a broad view of design that I think is really interesting. Why do you mm-hmm. think design thinking is important? Um, because it can be applied to anything. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be you know, a product. You can apply it to how you raise your kids or how you deal mm-hmm. with your neighbors or yeah. um, anything, how you cook. Yeah. It's, it's a problem. We all have problems facing us every day. You know, and it's how you go about fixing those and not necessarily fixing them, but addressing them and and analyzing different options, different ways of um, and being open to those different ways of solving the problems. Well, that's that seems like a good answer to me. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, well, you mentioned that you're going to get get into a master's Mm -hmm. at this point. So uh, what? How did this come about? So you've done an undergraduate degree. Mm-hmm. You've done more undergraduate and kind of pre-med, and now right. you're doing a master's. So it seems mm-hmm. like you're going to spend half your life in school. Yes. <laughs> so, it does seem like that, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not a bad thing. So, but, but tell me, how is this master's coming about? Um, so uh, from working uh, with Dr. Hitchcock, I um, also got introduced to um, Jim Gutter. Mm-hmm. who was starting the design bachelors here at the U. Mm-hmm. And he, so I started working with him. He's the one that's doing the Spark Health okay. Innovation Lab. And he, his model is a lot based on the D school, uh, Stanford D school and IDEO, uh, for how he uh, runs his classes and, and teaches with the design thinking. Mm-hmm. And so I was working with him, and he was mentoring me on the like, because he, he went through a lot of the same process with going to um, thinking about possibly medical school and, and or health um, administration or something. But he's really motivated and, and loves being in the medical, mm-hmm. uh, medical field and designing. And so he offered to um, help pay for my master's if I stayed and worked um, more full-time with the Spark. Okay. Um, lab and be a part of it and then um, he so he wants to establish a master's so I'm kind of the, one of the guinea pig people to, <laughs> okay. to help him figure that out <laughs> so yeah. well that's exciting and so and you would start this fall uh-huh. in the master's right how long two years yeah. three years something like two that two years okay well that's fantastic so uh, would you say that you're doing your dream job now or do you, or is there a, a dreamier dream job that you that you have got in your head? <laughs> I would definitely say I'm doing my dream job currently, but I know little to nothing about it and so <laughs> I'm hoping that this education will help me get there to where I'm okay. a lot more proficient and confident and yeah. can do you have any future goals that you would like to you'd like to take your design skills and your medical bent to um yeah, I mean Back to that original goal that I made with Sierra is designing for, um, I don't want to say like third world countries or whatever, but just people that need that 
that help. I mean, it can it can be right here. There's people that still need medical help that that aren't getting it the way that they that they need it. You know, yeah. um, something like that. That'd be yeah. awesome. And and you speak you speak Spanish as mm-hmm. well, right? Yeah. And you learn Spanish on your mission, mm-hmm. so yeah, I I, I I do as well. And I, and I notice that. I have an affinity for Latin people and and, and, and (laughs) Latin America. And, Uh you know, I keep trying to think of an excuse that will make me end up there to work, you know? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's great. Well, um, I think that's, that's all the, the the questions I had for you, but I do have one more question. We're going to have a, a consistent feature. It's like Oprah's favorite things, Uh but like, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to, you're going to ask each guest, a favorite thing of theirs and then I'll have a favorite thing too. So what's your favorite thing? My favorite thing lately it is restaurants that cook their food fresh Mm -hmm. so that they can cook amazing things for me that I can actually eat within, with all of my food allergies and restrictions. And so that makes me very, very happy when I can get this amazing (laughs) dish that I can eat everything and not have to worry about getting sick. <laughs> that's that's great. Can you let's say somebody's traveling in Salt Lake City at some point? Mm-hmm. What do you have a recommendation of oh, a great yes. fresh food restaurant? Couscous. It's on fifty four hundred South and Ninth East. Okay, they're awesome. I've never been there. I'm gonna have to oh, try that. They make everything fresh and it's so good, <laughs> so good. Licking the plate. <laughs> so my, my 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 favorite thing is also actually Salt Lake City food of some kind. Nice. But it is I don't know that you call it fresh. <laughs> they make it fresh every day. But uh, Banbury Cross Donuts. Ooh, yes. It's like Seventh East and Eighth or Eighth South, I think. Somewhere eighth South. Right yeah, it's somewhere around there. And it's uh, Banbury Cross Donuts is the best. I heard a couple weeks ago through the grapevine that they opened a Dunkin' Donuts here and there was a line out the door. Oh, sad. It just made, <laughs> made me so sad because <laughs> they've got this awesome place that, mm-hmm. you know, I've lived the last six years in Seattle and we talk a lot about Top Pot Donuts up there and mm-hmm. Obama, when he came to town, got a Top Pot Donut, <laughs> but it's got nothing on Banbury Cross. Nice. So, and so They're good. That's my pick. Very nice. Do you, awesome. do you concur? I do. They're <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Amber. Yeah, thanks, Noah. Um, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. See you. See you. Thanks again to Amber for doing this. You can follow her on Twitter at Outdoor Burr. That's at O-U-T-D-O-O-R-B-E-R. I'm sure we'll be hearing more from Amber in the years to come. You can read more about The Waystation or subscribe at waystation.co. Follow at underscore The Waystation on Twitter or at waystationonapp.net. Or you can like the Waystation Facebook page. If you like the show, be sure to leave a review in iTunes, which helps other people find out about it. To get in touch, go to waystation.co slash about. You can also check out my website, noahree.net, that's N-O-A-H-R-E-A-D dot net, or follow me on Twitter or app.net at noahreed, that's N-O-A-H-R-E-A-D. Thanks again for listening. Tune in again next week for a new episode of The Waystation.